Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Once again, it is a great privilege and an honor uh, to be with you all as we are covering current events and breaking news as it pertains to biblical prophecies. You know, this is one of the major questions of our time. Are we living in the end times? This is the question. But ladies and gentlemen, when you look out over the news, there are all kinds of signs uh, that we're in some serious trouble, that we are headed toward uh, not only geopolitical events, also geophysical events. I mean we're talking about earthquakes are everywhere. The weather uh, has gone at what would seem like completely bonkers. Volcanoes. Everything is being accelerated, shall we say. Things are really starting to pass certain thresholds. I mean... The amount of wildlife that's died, both on land and in the sea. I mean, everything that would provide a proper environment for peace and safety is being eroded away. These birth pains, they certainly do mean something. Something is not quite right. Something is going on. I don't think that you could find anyone that works in fields of higher education that would debate that simple fact that something is terribly wrong. We're going to be talking about some of those things this very day. Let me begin this episode this way. Let's read a little bit from Ezekiel chapter 16, and let's see if God said what he was expecting you to say. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, make it known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God of Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in cloths. Ladies and gentlemen, let us remember let's not wear 
Abraham was from? Let me say that a different way. That's not where Isaac was from. I mean, you do all have been told exactly where Abraham was from. Uh, I assure you that uh, he was not born in Canaan. His father wasn't an Amorite. His mother certainly wasn't a Hittite. So are you completely sure that the Bible's saying what it is that you want to hear? Is God saying something completely different? Something you all probably should uh, consider, I would think. It's these types of things that we'll be talking about tonight here on the End Time Tribune, probably after the Brian I covers some current events, breaking news. As for now, let us ride. Why are you going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie?
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. It is uh, good to be with you this evening. Uh, we've got Brian in the saddle. So, Brian, uh, get on here. Uh, give your kadoosh for the beginning of this episode. Uh, let's get this thing kicking, man. Hello, folks. Hope everybody's doing well on this evening. Let's kick in here, Matthew. You know, um, I have looked at things uh, here over the past week, Brian, that's really got me uh, concerned. Um, You know, last week we were talking about uh, temperatures and such uh, that's going on. But, uh, you know, I, I saw some headlines this week that it was off the charts, but I'm sure that everybody is wanting us to, uh, at least uh, address the issue, of course, uh, of the inauguration this afternoon. Um, and I'm going to state uh, my opinion first that, ladies and gentlemen, the book of Revelation, chapter 17, is very clear uh, who runs this uh, whole kit and caboodle. And it's ten kings, and they're not elected. Now, I understand that uh, a lot of people are nervous. Uh, about this man uh, being elected in the United States. I assure you that he's got nothing to do with the grand scheme of things. He really doesn't. Uh, The ten kings that run this planet, I think you can make a pretty good case that they have all at least been in power since 1973. I mean, that is when... The famous map was released of this planet divided into ten kingdoms by the Club of Rome. That was 1973. That's right, right during the war. So uh, I would say beyond any shadow of a doubt, that is when these ten kings announced that they had been put into play for this particular generation. So, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have anything to worry about, and the most important part is is that you never did have anything to worry about anyway, because God puts it into the ten kings' hearts to execute his will. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's just not your, your future if you're in the family of God, uh, you know, to go through any of the things uh, that – Anyone's going to go through when those ten kings and the beast power comes into play. God has always had you in the palm of his hands. No one, no thing can change that. So with that in mind, Brian, what's your thoughts uh, uh, on uh, people – and I mean both sides of the fence, uh, both the conservative – Uh, and liberal people that make up uh, the church, they all seem to be worried that something is going to happen and it's going to be bad for them. Uh, What do you think? The simplest of matters is what's going to happen is going to happen. You know, it's just, it's keeping an eye on watching where policy goes from here on out, folks. But at the same time, 
you know, keeping in mind that he's part of a bigger puzzle. These leaders are put in place for their times and for the Lord's purposes within the earth. Now, does that mean it's going to be a positive purpose? Not necessarily. But he's part of a vaster and a bigger puzzle. And, you know, here is... Um, Americans, we have this tendency to have this mindset that the whole world revolves around us. And, I mean, that's not the way it works, folks. So we have to watch how everything works itself out on a grander scale, watch each little tiny piece fall into place as it should. And, you know, even considering what I did watching the elections, all the you know, the buildups to the elections and so forth all the way through, it was trying to figure out the puzzle pieces of how things could go if one goes towards one way or one goes towards the other. You know, and you brought in that term conservative and liberal within the church. And, you know, that that altogether term can be a little bit on the confusing side. Um, you know, as far as quote unquote teachings go, I've seen that term thrown towards the liberal side and at the same time here's the one standout thing I'd like to point out as far as the churches that are considered quote unquote liberal these are usually the churches that are standing up for doing the things that they're supposed to be doing as far as feeding the hungry taking care of the widowed and the orphan etc whereas what they would call the quote unquote conservative church they go around with this mindset that well God put these people in a predicament where they're poor and we're not supposed to intervene. And that same kind of mindset also completely saturates the quote-unquote conservative Republican Party. Now, I've got major issues with the Republican Party. But is this the time nor the place for it? No, absolutely not. You know, it's it's quite simple. A crusader's a crusader, no matter if he's, you know, on the left or the right wing. Now, one thing, though, I will bring up lastly that is a little bit troubling concerning what is happening with Trump coming into office, as this has set a precedent, a precedent worldwide where other leaders of this same sort of um, nationalistic neo-Nazi type mentality are moving to the forefront within their countries, especially within the European nations. So – you know, I think that right there is one of the huge things to keep an eye on because if we're at the time where we think we could be, we should be keeping our eye out for civil wars breaking out in varied places. And, I mean, America is sitting right on that threshold as we speak, as is. The popular vote, you know, uh, the Democratic Clinton, she won over 2 million votes over Trump within the popular vote. And yet, according to the way the Electoral College works, he was voted in. So this still, you know, this is causing a lot of controversy here within this nation alone, and it's causing a great divide. A great divide. Now, now that's an understatement. Yeah, it's, it's certainly causing a great divide. That's, that's exactly how I would put it. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, as far as I'm concerned, what Brian just stated is the end of the matter. It's just the end of the matter. We do have real problems going on right here on the late great planet Earth. 
I mean, I hope everybody realizes that they uh, announced in the New York Times uh, that the Arctic is um, 36 degrees warmer, broke the record, and it's done so three years in a row. 2014, 2015, and 2016 have been all record breakers in the Arctic. And ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate that there's a great swath of the academic community that wants you to believe um, that's due to, well, either humans or cows. I guess that cows are not even allowed to flatuate uh, in Europe, that being beside the point. This has got serious ramifications. Now, this is how Times puts it. Uh, temperatures have blown past the previous records three years in a row. I'm not going to use the terms that they use. No reason to. I'm talking about something that's real, not something that's theoretical. I just gave you hard case-in-point data. And the problem is, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's occurring right where it should be, but it kind of don't make physical sense. Brian, your thoughts on this? Um have you looked or seen anything else out uh, about these Arctic and Antarctic temperature differentiations that are just – well, they're past the point of concern now. Uh, have you seen any news on that or anything along those lines? Just the atypical standard uh, points that are pointing out how warm the uh, Arctic is right now in comparison to everywhere else in the world. And, you know, as we brought up last week, it's actually getting colder in Siberia. And that shouldn't really surprise anybody if they know where the North Pole is going to be set once we get kicked off our axes. That's right, Brian. <laughs> we are going back to the days of Noah, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, whether any of us uh, would like to admit it or not, that is what's going to happen. That is real. And that is rather concerning uh, that most people are so caught up with other things that they can't see the things going on right in their general vicinity that should have their attention. I mean, is, is anybody aware that uh, there was an avalanche last week, this past week, uh, because Italy has had a swarm of 80 earthquakes. Ladies and gentlemen, that don't happen there. It really don't. I mean, once again, we have an Alaskan uh, volcano popping off that sends ash up to 31,000 feet. How much of that do you think we can take? I mean, 
if you think over the past month, how much of that do you think we can actually take? Because by now, I hope everybody realizes that we have probably exceeded this year uh, the amount of ash that went into the atmosphere that caused the year without a summer. And that's pretty serious stuff. I mean, let me take a look at this article right here. Right here is the uh, headline uh, from the Big Wobble. This came out the 18th. The sun hasn't risen over its horizon for more than two months, yet the North Pole was warmer than south of France, Italy, Greece, Turkey, and Syria yesterday. Look. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this is real. You do understand what this headline just said. It's been night at the North Pole for two months. But it was warmer there than it was in southern France, Italy. Ladies and gentlemen, how it's po- Greece? Now, come on, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe Turkey, but Syria? Something is seriously wrong. Let me read the, the the first paragraph from this. The sun hasn't risen over its horizon for more than two months, yet at a balmy 21 degrees Fahrenheit, the North Pole yesterday was warmer than parts of South France, Italy, Greece, Turkey, and Syria. The North Pole was actually yesterday 93. Three degrees warmer. 93 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than the average temperature for the time of year. And it's been like that for most of the winter, which is incredible when you realize that parts of Greenland and Russia have had regular temperatures as low as minus 71 degrees Fahrenheit. Ladies and gentlemen, um... If it was 21 degrees Fahrenheit uh, on the 18th, we've got serious trouble because where I'm at, we were below zero. I mean, I know one of the days when I got up to go to work in the morning, it was minus 12. How could it have possibly been 21 degrees at the North Pole? Ladies and gentlemen, you can plainly take a look at this map. And see what God's doing. I mean, Brian already stated it that maybe this is why we've been talking about Noah's North and South Pole for so long. But I wonder what the impact is to wildlife. I wonder what it is that's going on that's causing us trouble. I mean, Ladies and gentlemen, something is terribly wrong. I mean, let's just shoot this by Brian. Let's just see what Brian even has to make of this, okay? Puberty before age 10, a new normal? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, wake up. Wake up. This article is by Dr. Mircola. Reaching puberty is a rite of passage that we've all been through. But children nowadays are reaching it earlier than ever before. 
a trend that has both health experts and parents alarmed. Didn't say worry. It said alarmed. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, puberty, which is the appearance of secondary sex characteristics, like, of course, hair, breast growth, these these types of things. Ladies and gentlemen, they're, they're, they're not supposed to happen before age eight. But it's up to impacting at least one in 5,000 U.S. children, and that rate is on the rise. Even in the last three decades, children, particularly girls, are maturing at younger and younger ages. It's ten times more common in girls than boys. Puberty, once the norm at age 15, now occurring in seven, eight, and nine-year-olds. Ladies and gentlemen, oh my goodness. In the 19th century, the onset of menstruation occurred around the age of 15, ladies and gentlemen. Now the average age of the first period is around 12. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, something is seriously wrong. Okay, you know, this this article goes over that um, one study uh, in the journal uh, Pediatrics revealed that by age 7, 10% of white girls – 23% of black girls, 15% of Hispanic girls, and 2% of Asian girls are starting developing breasts. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the ultimate Trump, okay? It's got nothing to do with your country of origin. Now, of course, early puberty can set the stage for emotional and behavioral problems and is linked to lower self-esteem, depression, eating disorders, alcohol use, earlier loss of virginity, more sexual partners, and increased risk of sexually transmitted diseases. There is also evidence that suggests these girls at increased risk of diabetes, heart disease, other cardiovascular diseases as well as cancer later in life. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, they just gave a clear description of what is likely to happen, and that's the words that they used. It sets the stage for these things to likely to happen, and all those things were, of course, the characteristics of a harlot. Brian, what do you think about this? Uh, and most importantly, uh, why do you think it's age 12? I mean, this expert in this field, uh, she plainly stated here that this is happening everywhere. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, what your, you know, your country of origin is. Uh, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, whether you're Spanish, whatever. Why is it that it's changed to 12 from 15? That's three years. So everything I see, I see here is pointing me to 
biblical things, but but please, Bri, your your thoughts on all of this because it really is disturbing. Well, the quite simplest is how much manipulation is being done with the food supply. I mean, they're adding what growth hormones into the cattle that's making its way into the milk. Therefore, what is the repercussions going to be on the human body? It doesn't. Honestly, it's not too shocking to me that they're seeing this happen now when they've been adding these growth hormones into the milk supply, into the dairy supply. I mean, I don't really know that I need to go much further on that. Yeah, I agree. Do you think this has anything with what Revelation talks about pharmacia? I mean, because that's really what you just described, right? In part, I would say, yeah. I mean, the food supply at this stage of the game is flat out killing people. I mean, if you talk to anybody concerning, especially like all the uh, varied gastrointestinal uh, diseases that are all of a sudden commonplace that used to be rarities at one point in time, I mean, about 80% of the population is having problems with the gastrointestinal you know, intestinal tract, and this all coincides with them completely messing with the food supply. I mean, grab a can of anything or a bag or a box or whatever and look at the ingredients, and 90% of what's in there you don't even recognize. And in other countries, a lot of that stuff is actually illegal. Yep. But really, isn't that what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen? I mean... Where could you say this before? Where could you possibly say this before? Brian, why don't you take over here for a second? I seem to have an audio problem here. All righty. I'll let Matthew uh, come back into that when he gets back in here. There's a couple of things I wanted to touch on real fast here. Um, One of the big ones that happened this week, and uh, thanks to... Jennifer, for catching this, because I obviously had missed it. We've got the U.S. is going to build its biggest consulate building in Erbil. And this is within Iraq, most specifically within the Kurdistan region. And, folks, we've been telling everybody flat out, you need to keep an eye on this very specific place, Erbil, and especially with the rising of the meats. You know, because the Kurdish people basically make claims that they're the ancient meats. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, within this last week, they come forward with this announcement that they're going to build the biggest consulate here. And within the main article that comes up here on Ruda.net, which is the uh, Kurdish news source, they essentially state that they're going to be with the uh, backing within the diplomatic communities with the U.S., they're going to be pushing for a Kurdish autonomous region so this one gets a little bit on the large side and hand in hand with this when this was happening there was also Iran is basically telling the Saudis that they want them out of this region and immediately so this uh, whole thing that's happening here in Kurdistan is actually getting fairly big and I mean we've had a Another story that uh, broke out 16 hours ago is multi-party Kurdish delegation will open independence talks with Baghdad. So once again, 
they're just you can see right now that they're moving towards the setting up of the median empire again and i don't know if i got you back in here yet or not matthew yes you do ladies and gentlemen i'm sure that you all found that rather humorous um i'm broadcasting from my garage wealthy um so my wife had to uh, take my children to clean the church because tomorrow obviously they have church so my children clean the church and uh, she got home so the garage door uh came open but Ladies and gentlemen, everything that Brian just described, we've talked about this so many times. These kings from the east have got to get together in order to cross the Euphrates. Everything is going to happen just like he said. And because these geopolitical things going on here in the United States, everybody's ignoring this stuff when – This stuff is chilling, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody's orchestrating this. Somebody's putting this into action. I mean, if you take the timeline and you look at it from 1967 forward and then just take a look at the past six weeks even, if you can't see that we're ramping up for some event, biblically, eschatologically speaking, you're being entertained to death, literally to death. Uh, Brian, could you find any other way to say that? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know any other way to say that. Uh, I don't know any other way to put that. I mean, somebody asked me a very important question uh, that I have not shared on the air yet. And, you know, I, I, I hesitated to say anything about it. I really did. But, ladies and gentlemen, when, when I say being entertained to death, I really do mean it. I mean, all of you need to uh, consider, ladies and gentlemen. You know, uh, I talked earlier tonight uh, on TalkShoe. We did a broadcast, a Biblicating the Bride broadcast. And I talked a little bit about historical references uh, to things going on. And I talked about theological terms. And I talked about the entertainment industry. And I had some things to say that most people really wouldn't want me to say. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, there are some things that you need to understand that comes into the church that has no business to be there. Their event horizon was, in fact, the entertainment industry. It really was. It it was the entertainment industry. And many people say, you know, the reason why I've hesitated 
on on sharing this because people really get upset when they find out that some of their most popular things that they are emotionally connected to that they are so emotionally overwhelmed by these things that when I tell them the truth, ladies and gentlemen, they get mad. And I don't mean a little bit mad. They get mad. I want you to uh, consider some things that some of your theological terms They didn't come from preachers. They never did. They just didn't. They literally came from the entertainment industry. Now, there have been some people that has been set up to run the entertainment industry. And I mean from the beginning. But take note, ladies and gentlemen, that one of your favorite theological terms literally came from a man uh, that is known by all, respected by – as a matter of fact, you cannot get a liberal – arch degree without knowing and have read his works you're forced to read his works you have no choice you you absolutely have no choice and that's the truth i mean you have to get um test ladies and gentlemen where if you do not answer the questions correctly, you're not going to graduate. And that's the truth. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I know everybody's going to get very upset about this, but ladies and gentlemen, uh, the first time – I know, man, I, I, I wish I was joking, but I'm really not. The first time that the word rapture was used in the English language, because it is Latin for rape, is in, of course, the William Shakespeare play, Trollius and Cressidia. And I don't have a problem reading it to you. This is where the word rapture comes from. William Shakespeare used this three times. In three different plays, and this particular play, of course, was written in 1602. So I'm I'm telling you the truth. The word rapture was made up and implemented by the entertainment industry, and most people would even call him the father of the entertainment industry. … 
here is the stanza. But though I loved you well, I wooed you not. And yet, good faith, I wished myself a man, or that we women had men's privilege of speaking first. Sweet, uh, bid me hold my tongue, for in this rapture I shall surely speak the thing I shall repent. Cece, your silence, cunning and dumbness. My weakness draws my soul of counsel from me. Stop my mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, you do understand what that line was about, right? You see, he put the word rapture there because the character in this play loved this person but had not wooed them. They were not impressed. And the only way for them to get what they wanted was, of course, through a rapture. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm... I'm I'm not lying to you. I'm I'm being perfectly honest with you. That's where the term rapture comes from in English. Because it's first usage. Was the head of the entertainment industry William Shakespeare. That's the truth. Uh let's talk about his play the second time. Well, these two plays were basically written at the uh, same time. Uh, you know, you you have some consternation about the date, but basically uh, the play uh, Pericles was somewhere 1607, 1608, something like that. This is the stanza. Believe it, I will. By your furtherance, I am clothed in steel. And spite of all the rapture of the sea... This jewel holds his building on my arm. Until thy value, I will mount myself upon a cursor whose delightful steps shall make the gazer joy to see him tread. Only, my friend, I yet am unprovided of a pair of bases. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, in spite of the rapture of the sea, that's not good connotations, and Shakespeare never meant it in good connotations. Now, this next reference, they push this back as late as 1608. And these are the first three instances of that word rapture in the English language. It did not come from an academic source. It didn't come out of some professor, uh, some professor's published work at a theological seminary. That's not what happened. I'm trying to tell you the truth as to what happened. I'm, I'm actually, for once, reading them to you. But this is the last one, and um, from Shakespeare's uh, Coleranius play. Like I said, they they try to date this as late as 1610. All tongues speak of him, and the bleared sights are spectacle to see him. Your prattling nurse 
into a rapture lets her baby cry while she chats him to kitchen milk and pins. Her richest lacrim about her reachy neck. Ladies and gentlemen, you understand that what is described here is that a baby is being left unattended. It's being abandoned while this action takes place. Several lines down, he makes himself perfectly clear in line 207 to win vulgar station. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm telling you the truth, and, and I earnestly and urgently suggest that you check my facts. But I will make that perfectly known up front. I just told you the facts. Those are the facts of the matter. What I just told you is real. I'm sure that most of you realize why I've never told you that before. Because you talk about people getting very upset when they realize that this actually stems from the entertainment industry. It did not come out of a theological seminary. It did not come out of no institution of higher learning. It came out of a Shakespeare play. And he obviously knew something that most of you didn't, because the rapture of the sea is not a pleasant thing. And why did he use that reference? But it was time that I gave it out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to upset you. I'm just telling you where the word comes from, and I just proved it to you. This was not made up from some preacher's pen. It was made up in a play, from a playwright's pen, intended exclusively for the entertainment industry. And when that is true, I'm not going to say an if that be true, I'm just going to say it the way it is. When that be true, breath and have a Salah moment after you calm down, because I know you're upset because, I mean, I've had the whole gambit when I put this up on the view screen inside of a classroom setting. I've heard weeping, and I'm pretty sure a couple of guys was pretty close to throwing their chair at me. Of course, once they looked me in the eye, they thought better. But guess what? Within three weeks, they were calling me. I mean, I had one pretty wealthy individual had went all the way to Chicago because it was only there inside of libraries. He could actually – he wanted to see the proof. He got it. Point blank range, both barrels square in the chest. I'm telling you the truth. This didn't come out of any preacher's pen. It came out of a playwright's pen. Never intended 
for biblical study. Brian, your thoughts on that and, and how I can – I mean, how can we calm people down? Because I've seen this firsthand when I shared this. Brian, people went ballistic. They they couldn't understand it. So, you know, maybe you can say something better that will help calm them down. I don't know because I know that, you know, there's been times, uh, you know, in your life when you found something out that you didn't – that you had believed for a very long time. And all of a sudden, it wasn't true, you know. So, so your thoughts and anything you can add to help the listener to understand what I just said, I guess. Well, I'd have to surely point out this is not the first time we've seen "quote unquote" entertainment completely shape people's views on what the Bible says, on eschatology, etc. I mean. For instance, you know, you can sit down and even watch these programs on, like, the History Channel and so forth, and when you begin to realize that much of our modern-day eschatology has been shaped by the likes of Dante's Inferno, Paradise Lost, books written throughout the Middle Ages that have nothing to do with reality whatsoever, but somehow they become chief plots within how everybody is perceiving eschatology. You know, I saw some varied questions, you know, throughout the week. Well, if you're teaching end-time prophecy, you must know all the different varied schools on eschatology's teachings. And yeah, personally on my end, and I'd have to say the same for Matthew, I'm familiar with them all. The problem is, is there's issues across the board with all of them. And... You know, to point something else out on top of it, too, here, and I, people don't really realize as far as when this teaching, this rapture teaching also made itself its way into the church. This is the in underpinnings and the very beginning of Dominionist theology that it was a part of. You had to have this quote-unquote elite group suddenly removed out of the equation, and that's how it was brought in. And to this day, it still remains one of the chief tenets within these modern-day teachings. So I didn't really lighten what you said. I don't really personally don't want to lighten what was said. I mean, this is a common factor. We've got entertainment that is completely obscuring people's view on what the Bible says and that's problematic across the board, everybody. You know, look at, for instance, one of the biggest chief evangelical uh, dominionist leaders behind the whole modern frenzy with uh, the whole Left Behind series and all that. You know, we've got Damien and the Omens plot somehow has made its way into end time prophecy. What else do we got here? You know, it just keeps going for days. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this poor gentleman that Brian is referring to, that event occurred over on the social networking site, and uh, I'm sure that all the many thousands of listeners that Brian and I have was actually embarrassed for him, some of the things he was saying. He was making references that I didn't know what I was talking about. 
When I was so far over his head, it was unbelievable. Because, ladies and gentlemen, none of the none of the different schools of thought on eschatology is actually what God said. God said it's isochronal eschatology that is biblically based. Not futuristic, not preterist, not rapturist. God himself said that time is cyclical. And that's what he said. You know, I rebuked him once with scripture, and I said, hey man, uh, you know, of course, I just put in the verse. You need to chill out because there's other people that, that that's watching us that's probably, you know, can or can't be Christians, you know. They don't need to see this. He didn't care. He said I was hiding behind the Bible. He had no idea that, ladies and gentlemen, I deal exclusively with the Hebrew and Greek because I've written it with my own hand. He had absolutely no clue what he was talking about. And I felt badly for him. And he goes on and on and on, so I have to rebuke him twice. Look. I know more about history, obviously, than you do. I know a... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Flavius Josephus is the least of what I know. I studied... The Roman documentation long before I ever even touched Josephus because he was paid for by the Romans. So I studied what the Romans had to say first. That was chronologically speaking the way God intended it to, done, to be done. You have to understand that. <laughs> so uh, he didn't even know, and I can even quote it. Ladies and gentlemen, the work he was talking about, go to chapter 10, line 10. He plainly says that what happened in 70 AD was an isochronal event. All Jews know that it was first Antiochus. Um, I mean, but I, I don't need to explain it to you, ladies and gentlemen. All of you know it. Just from the Roman records alone, we know that Antiochus Epiphanes and Titus did the exact same thing, and that's what Josephus said, and this poor fellow didn't even know that. He didn't even know it. When it is plain in all of the historical documentation that everybody knew on the planet that Antiochus Epiphanes had set up the abomination of desolation that Daniel was talking about. That also occurred in 70 AD. It was an isochronal event, and everybody knew it. That's why Josephus put it in there for the Romans to – because they were expecting him to put it in. And this poor fellow had no clue what he was talking about. Had no clue. So after I'd rebuked him twice, I had no choice. I didn't block him, but I had to remove him from friends so he couldn't keep embarrassing himself. I, I, I mean, I, I have no want or need to make anybody look in a bad light. I, I, I just don't. But he was what he was. He was saying such things, and, and I'm sure, uh, you know, everyone that was part of the ecclesia was 
feeling bad for him because he wouldn't stop. He was embarrassing himself. He was making himself. I mean, it was apparent to all. He had no clue, not only what he was talking about, but who he was talking to. He had no idea. No idea. The only way I could act Christ-like in that instance was to, well, stop him from, you know, stop him from hurting himself. So I just unfriended him. I did not block him, but I unfriended him. There was nothing else I could do. You know, it amazes me that people don't realize that the ancient commentaries uh, written about, <laughs> written to explain Shakespeare's play, literally defines rapture as a fit seizure convulsion. Of course, back then, they were expecting you to understand that it was not politically correct to actually say rape. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to, of course, talk about some celestial somology. You should look that up. That is biblically based, of course. But we have some signs in the heavens that need to be taken a look at because... This particular sign God has provided to us, of course, represents the woman in the heavens. With that in mind, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. I hope you all do enjoy. And please do remember that he is the king. Besides him, there is no other. And you are in the hollow of his hand. And... Ladies and gentlemen, to the children of Israel, it really didn't matter what was happening to the Egyptians. And God's already made himself perfectly clear that the bride, on a world global scale, has been put into that same bondage. And God himself said that he is going to again have to gather her, only now her is from every nation, tribe, and language. So there's Russian women, German women, African women. There's Australian women. Oh, by all means, of both flavors. There is European, Australian women, and there is Aboriginal Australian women. He was expecting you to know. That's why he said what he said. So do not worry. You are safe in the hollow of his hand, whether you understand that or not. That is true. Yeah. I'm gonna fly away. 
You're listening to the End Time Tribune, where we loudly proclaim the coming of Christ the King. And I shall tell you why. Because he reigns, baby! He reigns! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. I've got some uh, news articles in my back pocket, but 
I want Brian to talk about some celestial somology right now. We all know that he has done extensive research into the signs of the heavens, especially those that pertain to the bride. Brian, has anything happened over this past week uh, that would draw our attention to, well, the bride in the heavens that is, of course, the book of Revelation described in more than one ways, but the planet Venus. Uh, Any breaking news out on that front this week? It's been a giant wave spotted in the atmosphere of Venus. Huge wave has been spotted in the upper atmosphere of Venus, baffling scientists because it's staying so still above the planet's surface. Usually clouds in the region move at about 100 meters per second, whereas this cloud is stationary compared to the planet's rotation. New work suggests that the wave was created in the lower atmosphere when it flowed over a mountain, which would be similar to a phenomenon on Earth called a gravity wave. The feature related to atmospheric flow over mountains has nothing to do with the similarly named gravitational wave, which refers to space-time ripples in the early universe. Although it is unclear whether gravity waves induced by mountains can readily propagate towards the clouds tops of Venus, the observations suggest that the atmospheric dynamics of Venus are more complex at depth than previously appreciated. The new findings came from observation by Japan Akatsuki spacecraft, which orbited Venus since 2015. The work was detailed yesterday on the 16th of January in the Journal of Nature Geoscience, as it was led by Makoto Toguchi at Rikyo University in Tokyo. The standstill region is about 10,000 kilometers in diameter and hovers over mountains on the planet's surface, shaped like a bow, and every bright and very bright, the study's authors said. The strange feature was observed by the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency Akatsuki spacecraft, which entered Venus's orbit in late 2015. Venus has been known for its weird cloud formations for more than 50 years. For example, a large Y-shaped feature was first observed in ultraviolet light. Mariner 10 spacecraft in 1973 discovered that this feature also moving independently of clouds in the same region. In 2015, scientists hypothesized it may be created by centrifugal forces which draw things on a rotating body away from its rotating center, much like a centrifuge. The European Space Agency also investigated the role of mountains in disturbing Venus's atmosphere in 2016 based on observations from the now-finished Venus Express mission. Scientists found that air filled with water vapor rises up from the lower atmosphere as it moves over the planet's mountains and creates gravity waves. Despite the similar name, these have nothing to do with gravitational waves, which are ripples in space-time. Why does this article keep repeating itself for Pete's sakes? I'm stopping here. Well, I think they pointed out what they wanted you to see as far as eschatology is concerned because 
I've said the date 1973 more than once today. I'm not sure which broadcast it was on, either on this one or um, Biblicating the Bride, but you did catch that Mariner 10 spacecraft was there right during the Six-Day War, right? And why do they keep trying to make you think that gravitational waves... I mean, why do you need to repeat yourself Ladies and gentlemen, Brian pointed it out. Uh, They already said that, by the way. Why are they wanting you to see this phrase, ladies and gentlemen? Because they've went way out of their way to say these waves are ripples in space-time. Well, of course, you're talking about the firmament. Ladies and gentlemen... I do have a hypothesis that is based upon an extra-biblical research done by Dr. Paul LaViolette that lines up exactly with what God actually said, that he's going to ride a cloud, impact us on the day he stands up. On the day all of creation stands up, by the way, which really astrophysically speaking, can only happen like one way. Just one way. I mean, Brian has brought up a good point. Um, and, and once again, you know, at the end of this article, they want you to also see that it's like sea waves on a shoreline. Ladies and gentlemen, they're they're trying to tell you in their own way that we're at the end of that wave when it hits the shore. We're in the end times. Ladies and gentlemen, when these waves magically, uh, they say, uh, the waves then uh, propagate vertically upwards. Really? Now, that I'd like to see. That I would like to see. I, I really would. And they uh, break just below the cloud top. Really? So you've been down there to check this out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is very disturbing. Brian, how many ta- times have we talked about anomalies occurring just on the celestial sign of the bride, Venus? Um, I mean, there are several things we could talk about this. I mean, one of the big things you talked about, you might want to refresh everybody's memory over because uh, Venus can become like another celestial object, and we have proof of that. Uh, so why don't you uh, talk about that a little bit? What kind of anomalies are known to occur um, on the planet Venus, as far as the atmosphere is concerned. Well, I think my the most interesting one that we've already seen come to pass was the fact that it grew wings. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Literally, 
uh, God has shown us that uh, his sign in the heavens can do exactly well, what Isaiah said, what's, what's mentioned, well, of course, our greatest detail is given in Revelation 12th chapter. She really can uh, take on eagle's wings. Now, they're given to her, but he showed us this, not only biblically, he's shown us physically, astrophysically speaking, with the planet that represents his bride. But that's not it. I mean, we've got all kinds of things we can cover. I mean, let's do this. Does everybody remember the time when they never heard of any large animal fish kills? This is just from this week. This is just this week. Uh, published in the Grabber.com, Ecologist to Investigate Dead Birds in St. Pete. The city of St. Petersburg has hired scientists with Arcadis U.S. to help municipal and state officials determine why more than a dozen pelicans have been found dead. Here's another one uh, in the Denver local. This is CBS local, okay? Right out of Lakewood, uh, Colorado. What killed geese and ducks under investigation? Published yesterday. Federal agencies have launched an investigation to determine what has contaminated the water in Lakewood Retention Pond, killing more than a dozen geese and ducks. And of course, they're wanting to blame it on some, some type of contaminant. Of course, we're not done. This is in the Washington Times this week. Officials still probing deaths of, bir of 200 birds in South Jersey. I mean, everybody heard about this, right? No, you didn't hear about it? Stoke Creek Township, New Jersey, testing continues to find out what killed 200 birds in southern New Jersey town, according to the Department of Environmental Protection. We're not done. This is this week, okay? Stinking dead fish portend major problem with carp herpes disease. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this article isn't good. I mean, this article says that in the eight months since the incident, the NSW government has held public consultations with interested parties, and the Australian government's Department of Industry published a final report on the issue. You need to look into this, ladies and gentlemen, because 13 native species are just dying in Australia. Something is terribly wrong. Here's another one uh, published the 16th. Smelly dead carp wash up on Hitamash Island. Hundreds of fish have washed up on Hitamush Island in South Australia as black water continues to move through the River Murray system. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we got we've we've got some serious problem. Let's move a little bit on the globe. Environmental disaster, fifty thousand fish die in Oswestry's River Marda after chemical leak. The river Morda near Austria turned milky white late following uh, what believed to have been a chemical leak. Really? Do you actually think they don't know if it was a chemical leak or not that turned the water milky white when there was like nothing around? Ladies and gentlemen, 50,000 fish and one shot. These fish and bird kills continue to happen. They're, they are literally on a weekly basis. It's a weekly basis. I mean... This this continues to go on, and it amazes me how sometimes they they will say things in the articles like the one I just read. Ladies and gentlemen, you 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 don't think they would know within a matter of minutes if something had produced a chemical leak that turned the water milky white? Brian, do you think all this is normal? The amount of wildlife kills we've—I mean—we're having on a weekly basis. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, is—is is this normal? Do you remember ever hearing of this before 2011? Nah, I mean that was the cusp of when it really all started coming to the forefront was in 2011. And you know, everybody take note that it's what about 99.9 percent of the time it's either what birds. Or some kind of sea life. How do the what affects birds and sea life the most, especially as far as their uh, navigational ability? Electromagnetic fields. So if something's happening with them, logic dictates something is happening with the electromagnetic fields, which in turn is going to be affected by what? Well, if we've got problems going on with the axis of the Earth moving, that's also going to cause changes and ripples within the electromagnetic field. So I would have to say that it all goes sort of hand in hand, including what we're seeing happening in the Arctic right now. Agreed. And and what about this, Brian? Just this past week, okay? Just this past week, uh, I'm just going to pick a couple of these out. East Bernard couple lose their home to a sinkhole. This happened in Sacramento. Uh, crews raced against time to stabilize a 70-foot deep sinkhole in Grass Valley. Okay, let's 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 move. A little bit. Authorities barricade Sioux City Street sinkhole. Um, how about this one? 
Crews dealing with massive seven-story sinkhole in California. And I love this picture. This is from a local news agency in Georgia. Sinko swallows excavation truck in Georgia, an off-duty hydro-excavation truck transporting approximately 1,600 gallons of water fell into a huge sinkhole in Hall County, Georgia. And yes, it swallowed the whole thing. Brian, really? Really? In 2010, could you do a new search for sinkhole in the past week and find anything? And I don't care which week in 2010 you would have looked. Not that I recall. I mean, this just goes on and on and on and on. And they keep, it's amazing, no matter where it's at, uh, there's this meme that it's because of a water main break. When you can plainly, they take pictures where you can look into the hole and there's no water there. It's not even close to a water main. There's no water there. I mean, what about Austin, Texas? Growing sinkhole threatening homes in southeast Austin. No, really, ladies and gentlemen, really. I mean, this is from the East Bay Times, of course, California. Arnetta declares local state of emergency following a sinkhole because, ladies and gentlemen, the whole street is just gone. Did you know that this town declared a state of emergency? Because a state road is just gone. It's just gone. Brian, you realize that what will naturally occur in a sphere if it increases in size, because it is a fear, sphere, physics mandates that everything maintains an equilibrium. The area of the sphere increases. In a non-disproportionate way. It won't get stretch marks like a pregnant woman's belly. won't get stretch marks. Everybody knows this. Physics knows this. You can prove this in a laboratory. I mean, it gets done on a semesterly basis in all institutions of higher learning that are affiliated with the field of geology. It creates spherical, spherical voids in the surface. Now, if I was trying to convince everybody that that's why the earthquakes are off the charts, even though they deny it, that's why all the volcanoes that are active, which is more than has ever happened, actually, 
even though they try to convince you that's normal. Let's deal with the facts. And I especially like the first one that got everybody's attention. I think it was in Guatemala that happened, or maybe it was Brazil. This abyss that opened up that swallowed several businesses, and it was just bottomless. No water, nowhere. It was just a void. Ladies and gentlemen, that that means that the earth is swelling. Now, in order for that to happen, we must be having something happen on the interior. And it was Brian and I that shared with the world. I don't know of anybody else who covered the simple fact that geologists have already proclaimed to the entire world – back in 2011, actually – uh, they released their findings publicly that one side of the Earth's core was crystallizing. They detect it every single time an earthquake goes off. Ladies and gentlemen, it, it was warmer this last week at the North Pole than it was in Syria. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how you want to convince yourself. That is not normal. That's impossible. It's impossible. Did you not hear what <laughs> Did you not hear what the scientists said? It's not in the middle of summer at the North Pole, ladies and gentlemen. It's been in the middle of night for 2 months. It has no heat source from the sun at present moment. There's no way for it to be hotter there than it was in Syria or Turkey, both of which is the land in the midst of the rivers. We would have to be heating up internally. We would have to be swelling. You know… If I was a midwife, I would put it to you like this. I would call this Braxton Hicks contractions, which is false labor. It always happens before the actual labor sets in, especially if it's your first baby. Your body's actually practicing before the tribulation of the birth itself. Of course, you all know that uh, back in history, what was the number one cause of death with mothers? It was the first baby being born. So the body naturally, if it's your first baby, you will naturally have false labor, which is practiced and hits contractions so your body can practice and, and get ready for the birthing process. You know, right where Noah's South Pole is, there's a crack in the ice shelf that's as big as Delaware. You know, let me explain something to you. Are you aware that water is wondrous in its design because it expands when it freezes? 
gets bigger. That's why if you take a glass bottle and fill it with water and put it in your freezer, it'll shatter. It's the only thing that does this when it heats up. It actually expands. That's what's natural. Water does the exact opposite. When it freezes, it expands. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not lying to you. Thoughts on everything I just uh, said, or your, or some maybe some other news you want to cover related to current events and breaking news. Go ahead. Maybe stroll through a few things here quick in news. I mean, this is just it. I'm getting really frustrated and irritated by this, and it's been the fact the whole week is the news feeds are congested with nothing but the stupid inauguration. And, you know, so I've been strolling through uh, most of my other websites throughout the world, hoping I could find a few odds and ends, you know, concerning other areas. Um I guess one thing to mention a quick here before we go into this, we've talked, what was that? I think the first uh, program when we went back to Blog Talk Radio, I brought up the Shanghai Corporation. And if people have been keeping an eye on this situation, essentially what has taken place is the Silk Road is basically opening itself back up again as China has been setting up railway all throughout Central Asia, and it's getting more and more uh, complete as we go along here, and these railways are about to go into effect. And it really kind of begins to make you wonder when you come across a story such as this. Um, you know, a Chinese editorial speculates about real war with U.S. after Trump inauguration. And this is essentially what they're talking about here is a trade war, as you'll see with the next subtitle, a Chinese editorial the day after U.S. President Donald Trump's inauguration took talks of a trade war even further speculating on the possibility of a real war between the two. Ed Zhang, editor at large of the China Daily, asked, will there be a trade war between the two largest trading powers? And noted that many are saying a showdown with China is unavoidable and imminent. Trump showed no indication to back down in his inauguration speech January 20th, Zhang said, noting the new president's promise that every decision on trade, taxes, immigration, and foreign policy will be made to benefit American workers and American families. Zhang speculated on what that might mean for the Chinese businesses. If there's a hike in tariffs across the board, the Chinese companies will lose a lot of orders. For the same goods they have been shipping to the U.S. market for the last decade, he said. But they might be gain an opportunity to offload products that are profitable or that are made with environmentally cost materials. Now, everybody, we've talked about this now for weeks on end to keep an eye out for this very thing. Essentially, there's got to be a reason that the Ten Kings are going to burn her. And right here, they're telling you everything we've stated over the last few weeks. Let's see here. I already covered that one earlier. Uh, 
Uh, that one, it's just more of the same thing. We've got, um, going back to topic I brought up earlier, multi-party Kurdish delegation will open the independence talks with Baghdad. And a little uh, interesting shift in policy happened in Turkey this week. Well, a lot of interesting shifts have been happening as Erdogan has been rewriting their entire constitution and has pretty much blatantly given himself full power over the state of Turkey at this point, eradicating all sorts of different laws within their constitution. Um, but now all of a sudden, Turkey's in the mix with supporting Assad. Iran, Russia, and Turkey declare support for sovereign, sovereign and secular Syria. And as everybody's taking note of, we pointed out a couple weeks ago that this uh, treaty concerning Syria is taking place in, of all places, Astana, Kazakhstan. Everything flaring up in that region. You know, it seems like to me as they increase in power, it's, you can, I mean, follow this right in the headlines, at least economically, that the West is becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. And I mean by West, generally speaking, altogether. Not just the New World, I mean Europe as well. And you know, I've been hesitating covering this, but Brian, I want your thoughts on this headline that actually came out the 11th. I've been hesitating on covering it, but why do you think abortions uh, were banned in a Russian city for one day in memory of the biblical massacre of the innocents? Is this just random? Why would they randomly do this? As if they're calling your attention to it. I mean, I've never seen anything like that ever come up. Let alone, why did they pick the specific date that they picked? You know, that's a good question. That's a good question. We're down to just 18 minutes left. We're going to take a another short break, and I'm going to urge Brian to look for some few things because I don't think he's ran his course yet, and that's the feeling I get. So we're going to play uh, a new song that was found uh, by my daughter, of course. Um, I hope that everybody uh, enjoys it. Let me see here. Well, it looks like it failed to upload to my board. No matter. I think we'll go ahead and listen uh, to the... Uh, Bible reading intro. Uh, this is extremely good stuff. We'll be back in about six minutes. 
Salvation is not an option. You must find the truth. Remember, not everything is what it seems. If you don't stand for something, you might fall for anything. The end is where we begin.
That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the end is where the bride is going to begin. That's a fact. Brian, did you see anything, that news that you wanted to uh, to cover, or even a uh, scripture that you was wanting to look at before we sign this off? Uh News sources are a dead end. I mean, that's, this is all I'm hitting is this dumb inauguration garbage. I mean, sorry to say it, folks. I could give a flying rip about what's going on here right now. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. But, you know, I guess uh, maybe talk about some of the areas of stuff I've been working on throughout this last couple of weeks. I've been stuck once again back in Central Asia, most specifically looking at the uh, sort of central pivot point of Kazakhstan. And this is going to lead one to start thinking considerably about some varied things going on in Ezekiel 39 and 38. And I was just wondering... talk maybe on some of that, on some of these misidentifications that we've been dealing with here throughout time, you know, but considering we're at a, what, a 15-minute mark here. Yeah, well, (coughs) uh, it'll just uh, be putting the primers in the rounds we're going to fire later, so go right ahead. I'm just trying to think here of how to start with this. I mean, a lot of stuff that I've been looking through with Kazakhstan, you know, folks, you got to understand there's quite an interesting history going on there. As many of the uh, the tribes that come through JFET, and they even hold to this day that they're descendants directly through JFET. And when you go through and look at the very names, you can see them all right in broad daylight. Now, one of the big... Uh, one of the big ones that I've hardly ever seen anybody address is, well, who is Magog? And we've had some varied ideas that have come down throughout history. You know, even some of the different Middle Ages writers and all that have brought this up. But we had touched on this actually quite extensively. You know, we brought up Togmarat itself as far as uh, Turkey is concerned and the Turkish people. Um, you know, but we when we touched on the Huns, but we really didn't touch on one of the other uh, chief names that goes hand in hand with the Huns, which is the Magar, um, which is M-A-Y-G-A-R. And that's going to lead you to only one place. And that's Magog itself. You know, so we've got that quite simple designation pointed out there with that one so it gets in we talked about gomer and how that turned into the cimmerian tribes which were expelled up and into the north of israel right where they're specifically supposed to be you know up in going into france going into europe and all those areas you know we've got well the scythian they don't seem to come up at all whatsoever concerning uh 
Dwarf Gog and Magog, and we've got definitely their descendants are spread all over the place. But let me point out one specific place that is, and it's even retained in all the ancient Russian histories. There's still many in Russia that claim to this day that they are descended from the Scythians. And yet, we have people commonly identifying the Scythian, are identifying Russia as being part of the Gog and Magog War. And this kind of goes into a twofold thing that I've seen brought up nonstop, you know, in the course of this last couple of weeks with different posts from, you know, quote unquote, different theologians. One's like really concerned if what he's been saying doesn't come to pass by uh, two days ago. Two of his books aren't worth anything. Well, look, folks. It just comes down into doing people's historical research and doing their historical work, which they have not been doing. And it's on my end, it's a little bit frustrating. I'll let Matthew chime in on a few of these odds and ends here on his thoughts on this. Well, it's what we were dealing with earlier, uh, the entertainment industry getting involved with history. The entertainment industry getting involved uh, with theology. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to put your bootstraps on and get into the history and find out. Ladies and gentlemen, that stuff being propagated in the body of Christ is absurd. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. You know, one thing's for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, we we just mentioned Delich and his translation. I hope everybody knows when the first immigration of Jews back to Israel happened. I do hope you realize that that coincides with Delch's publication in 1877 of the New Testament. Let me just read this short diatribe. Delch's translation of the New Testament to Hebrew in 1877 is still considered the standard New Testament edition in Hebrew. In its 10th edition, it was revised, of course, by Ulrich. Abdelich's insistence. This edition was intended for use for proselytization among Jews. Later it was revised by Doman, whom he shared a common interest in the evangelization of the Jews. It is remarkable that these editions are composed before the modern revival of the Hebrew language, but the translation, translation still remains fresh and alive for readers today. That's because it's the only thing that the Jews will read. Uh, in 1880, Delich established the Institutium Judicum in Litzburg for the training of Christian missionary workers among Jews. Another Christian missionary to the Jews, uh, John Duncan, wrote that Delich stood firm in the maintenance of divine authority and inspiration of the whole Old Testament at a time when many seemed willing to surrender. Ladies and gentlemen, don't don't you understand what they did? You need to understand why the Jews was prompted to first to immigrate back to the promised land. It was because of the pogroms, ladies and gentlemen. They were rounding them up and killing them, especially 
in Russia. You know, the only thing of any importance with this inauguration is I'll read the headline uh, straight from Arut Shiva. 1,500 rabbis call upon Trump administration to support refugees, and it mentions something in here that, of course, leads you right to Delich publishing and doing exactly what he did because he knew they were going to begin to immigrate back. It says right here in this article – I'll read the headline – 1,500 rabbis call on Trump administration to support refugees. It says the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, the agency was founded in, ah, yes, 1881 to help Jewish immigrants fleeing the pogroms in Russia and Eastern Europe. Eastern – here, let me explain it to you. Brian was just mentioning the, the countries that these Jews were fleeing from. God was forcing them to go home. And all those Jews that become Christians did so because of… Not only the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. More importantly, ladies and gentlemen, Delich did everything he did with the Institutum Judicum. You need to understand that he somehow miraculously knew. That's why he pushed. That's why he insisted that the top world-recognized authority in biblical Hebrew honored Ulrich, he insisted that he check his New Testament translation. That's it for us. We're at the uh, mark to sign off. We've got 60 seconds left. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, good night. God bless.